Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After a trippy soul-searching experience where Gary speaks with Fulmar Shepard, Gary comes to understand that there seem to be two souls trapped inside of him, and they theorize of one possible way to cure him. To kill him, trap his soul in a soul gem, let the other go, and then attempt to bring him back to life. It's a risky procedure which requires a special material, a soul gem, which is rather rare and expensive. Luckily, the temple is located near a cave full of soul gems, but retrieving them will require passing a trial of sorts. So Gary heads on his way, meets a troll, and then very cleverly makes his way under a waterfall and through the entrance of the cave. I do declare, your honor is back in session. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You step forward and onto a big ledge covered in sand. The room is dark. You can hardly see anything at all. The ledge seems to stretch out about 100 feet wide and 20 feet long. Directly ahead of you is a void of nothing as far as you can see. Uh, I kind of cast a little bonfire to see better. Okay, you cast a little bonfire and it actually doesn't help much. Hmm. And I'm on this 100 by 20. Mm -hmm. 100 feet wide and then 20 feet deep. And then there's just void of nothing. You have dark vision for, I believe, 60 feet, correct? Should be. Yeah. So even with your dark vision, you can see out, but it just kind of looks like nothingness. And so there's nothing but this ledge of sand. Okay. Um, I take a stick from the bonfire and I throw it, like, over the cliff. How far are you trying to throw it? You just... A decent amount, just over, like... Like, just barely off, or, like, out into the... Uh, no, he'll give it a good chuck, so... I don't know, 30 feet, I guess. Alright, roll a d20 for him. And I guess add your dexterity to it. Uh, 16. Okay. So directly ahead of you, it flies about 16 feet. And you see it lands... Uh, it just kind of floats there. Oh, shit. Okay. Alright. Um... 
Okay, he's gonna go to the edge mm-hmm. and then feel at the nothing, like directly ahead of him. You feel directly ahead of you, and actually, you feel nothing. Yeah. Okay. And he's gonna keep his hand over the edge and start walking, like to the left with his hand over the edge. Just keep walking. Okay. You do that all the way across. You feel nothing. And then he'll go from the right all the way. You do that all the way across. You feel nothing. Oh, man. And that where I landed it, it looks like 16 feet. Mm-hmm. Can I jump that far? No, right? 16's a bit of a stretch. I don't think you can go that far. I'd say 10 you could probably pull off relatively comfortably. Hmm. Well, Okay. I hope that I wouldn't have to do a leap of faith here. So, now, <laughs> uh-huh. Gary's going to rub his hands together, and um, he's going to go from all the way from the left, uh-huh. start casting Acid Splash uh, about, like, ten feet ahead. Like, Okay, you're going all from, from the very, very left? Yeah, so all hundred feet. As this flesh is a cantrip, right? Yeah, so it's just... <laughs> okay. Okay, you start doing this. You start 100 feet to the... Or I guess 50 feet to the left, because it's 100 feet total. So 50 feet to the left, you start spraying. You see nothing, 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 nothing. And then when you get to the center where you kind of popped in, you see... It seems to float in the air. The acid kind of sizzles and bubbles. It is roughly eight feet from you. Okay. And it's a little bit to the left of the one where the stick landed. Oh, okay. Wow, that sucks. And at this point, the acid kind of sizzles away and dissipates. Okay. Um, it's just like, what if I miss that jump? You know, it's fucking... (laughs) Roll an intelligence check for me. 18. You get the feeling that based on what you know about your body and how far you saw, like that first where you saw the acid land... You get the feeling that that is probably a comfortable jump for you. Okay, Gary's going to try and make that jump. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. You can make it. Just roll in acrobatics for me so we can see how hot it looks. That's a 23. Okay. You kind of step back to the back of the, the pit of sand, and you start running. The sand is kind of flying everywhere as your feet run through it, and you leap forward up into the air. You kind of almost do a little bit of a twirl. And then you land with both your feet kind of like in like that Spider-Man like superhero pose. Both your legs, you crouch down one foot in front of you and you feel your hand atop what feels like a, a small platform. You feel around the edge of it and you feel that it is circular roughly about five feet in diameter. Pretty much just enough for you to be standing here. And then about another eight feet away, slightly like ahead of you and to the right is the twig that you threw from the bonfire. Um, but I would have to jump there, right? Like, it doesn't... Yes. Okay, he'll jump to that one. And you do so. You leap across into the dark. It's eerie because you... Even when you're standing on it, you can't see anything down. (sighs) So it's like you're just floating in this void. You are now uh, 16 feet away from the sandy ledge you first appeared on. And ahead of you, you just see what appears to be infinite black nothing. Okay. Gary's going to cast Mage Hand okay, and go make it scoop up some sand from where he started and then sprinkle 
forward left, forward middle, and forward right, about eight feet from where he is. Okay, first to the left, so I guess in line with the first platform that you landed on. You sprinkle and you see two circular platforms, each about, you know, an eight-foot jump from each other. And then that is all you see. Directly ahead of you, you see nothing for those 16 feet where the, the platform was out to your left, but directly ahead of those, like in front of you past those, the sand manages to catch two platforms, and then you get the feeling that it didn't have enough range to keep going beyond that. Mm-hmm. And then you sprinkle to the right and you see nothing. So the closest one is to my left. Mm-hmm. There are two to your left and two in front of you beyond those. Um, okay. Gary's gonna make the mage hand grab some more sand, and now he's gonna jump to the one to the left. Okay, the mage hand goes and grabs some sand, and so you've jumped from the left to the right to the left. You see one platform ahead of you to the left, and one and a half to the right that have sand covering them. You are now 24 feet from the sandy ledge that you appeared on. And we're gonna reach for more sand. And start sprinkling ahead of me in the arc. Okay, you don't get much more range because you're only eight feet up, but you do all three and the result is the one and a half on the right lane, quote-unquote. You now manage to see that there are indeed three platforms there, but you can't see beyond that. It's It looks like it ran out of sand right over the third. So there's one left, one right, two left. And as far as you know, three right. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he'll travel... From what he can see, the three in the right lane, he'll travel those. Okay, you jump to the one in front of you, and then across to the one on the right, and then you start, you put a little funk on it. (laughs) Uh, You kind of leapfrog a little bit, Uh, you do some some spins, uh, very cautiously, but you you get a little style in there, and you are now uh, on the furthest one that you are aware of. Okay. (laughs) Gary's gonna carefully use his mage hand to grab one of the conjuration books that he took Mm -hmm. and he's gonna in an arc he's gonna poke at (laughs) he's gonna poke with the book at where he thinks platforms might be uh in one of those three lanes ahead of him like in 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 those three lanes ahead of him looking for a platform (laughs) this is the most unique use of mage hand i've ever heard in my goddamn life okay Where do you think the platform is? Now he'll try in the third lane. Uh, you try in the third lane, it doesn't seem to run into anything. Uh, now he'll try in the middle lane, the one that I am in. For as far as the range can go, it doesn't seem to run into anything. And then the left lane? In the left lane, eight foot jump from you, essentially. Yeah. You see it hits one. Okay, and I'm gonna jump to my book. (laughs) Well, Mage Hand is holding on to it. Okay, you jump to your book. And again, we're gonna do a sweep with the (laughs) Conjuration Mage Hand. Okay, eight feet directly ahead of you in this left lane, it hits something again. I jump to my book. (laughs) Okay. And repeat that process okay again directly in front of you and i will jump to the book again in front of me okay this is the third one in the row you move it forward again it hits again a fourth time okay and then a fifth time oh my okay and we'll jump to that one okay you move it forward expecting it to hit a six and it doesn't seem to okay so we'll put in the middle middle lane you see one okay I'm going to jump to the middle lane. Okay. And then I'm going to put the book in the middle lane in front of me. It seems to hit another one. Additionally, once you jump onto this one in the middle lane, 
your dark vision seems to have reached a functioning limit. Roughly 60 feet ahead of you, you can just barely make it out. You see a stone passage directly in front of you. Okay, I'm going to use my blind man's mage hand to feel 80 feet in front of me. Jump. Okay. I'm assuming it's all the way down, Mm -hmm. is in the middle lane. And sure enough, yes, you jump eight more times down the middle lane. Fibonacci. And you finally make it across. You and your Fibonacci's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And uh, you've solved my Indiana Jones puzzle. And I put this, like, book with now, like, beat up corners like yeah <laughs> back into my backpack yeah it's like when you get a new textbook as like a student in middle school and then by the end of the year it's just yeah. like beat up and like falling apart that's what it looks like right now all right and i'll go it was, it was just a passage mm-hmm. yeah we'll go to the passage okay you step through the dark stone passageway into a dimly lit chamber there are four torches lighting the domed room Kneeling in the center of it, with their back toward you, is a small, muscular, gray figure. Oh. Please tell me you're not the strength test. Please tell me you're not the strength test. And it turns around to face you, and who do you see but Uh, yourself? I wave my hand. He waves his hand back at you. Um, I'm gonna walk up to me. He walks up to you. I put my hand on his head. <laughs> he puts his hand on your head. Oh, jeez. There's still what's left. Intelligence and strength. Uh, okay. What was in the room? Just this dome, torches, mm-hmm. and me. Mm-hmm. Nothing else? Not that you can see. Um, but all it does is mirror me, or it's like... So far, that's all it's done. So are you just going to repeat everything I say? So you're just going to repeat everything that I say? Uh, uh, well, I don't want to hurt me. Well, I don't want to hurt me. So I'm start feeling around the dome. Okay, you start feeling around the dome, he starts feeling around with you. Does it mirror me or does it, like, follow me? It mirrors you. Okay. I'm going to cast a bonfire to the right of it. Okay. You cast a bonfire to the right of it, and one appears to the right of you. Okay. No, you're not supposed to kill yourself, right? That can't be the solution. (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) Uh, He sits down and starts scribbling on his rubber paper. Okay, what do you write? Do I kill the doppelganger? (laughs) You see that happens, and like... Did you bother to erase, um, speak your truth? Yeah, I erased that. Okay. Uh, you're right. Do I kill the doppelganger? And after a few minutes, you get a response that says, No, Cheerio's cool. Cheerio's cool? Yeah. Um, okay. And then under that, you see, what? (laughs) Question mark. Cheerio? Who is Cheerio? That's what I write. Nacho is pretty cool, too. Uh, I think the wires got crossed here. I don't know if this is, uh... Oh, God. Who has the paper? Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm gonna erase this now. (laughs) You erase it all. Someone else has the paper. Oh, yeah. That was probably Thomas talking about someone they met. Um, 
Okay. Oh, by the way, as you write on the pad, the doppelganger seems to write in the air. Oh, okay. That is helpful. I pull out my scimitar. He pulls out the same scimitar. Okay. I put the scimitar away. He pulls out his scimitar and you hear battle music. And then <laughs> you put you both put him away and it goes away. Uh, I pull out a sandwich. You pull out the sandwich and he just mimes pulling out a sandwich, but you hear snack music. What the fuck is <laughs> Okay. So I start going through my inventory. Like I, I pull out an Ostrogon Snuggie. No Ostrogon Snuggie. I pull out an Orc Daddy and I like raise my eyebrows at him. He raises his eyebrows at you. Like the meme of the kid on the Drubotron. <laughs> but he doesn't have an Orc Daddy. No, he does not have an Orc but Daddy. But he has the Scimitar. He does have the Scimitar. <sighs> yeah, I, I guess. I pull out the orange potion from Ostrogon. No potion. <sighs> this is the one thing you can't copy. I, I uh, unscrew it. I take a little sip. Okay, roll an arcana check for me. Not bad, not bad. My arcana check is a 21. Okay, so you seem to understand that in order for these potions to have effect, you probably need to down the whole thing. Oh, okay, gonna do it. Okay, you're downing the orange potion? Yeah. Okay, he mimes drinking the potion as you drink it for real. And as you drink the potion... Nothing happens. And then you feel a little bit of a rumbling in your tummy. And very slowly, it almost feels like the terrible pain of a growth spurt, but happening just way too fast all at once as you begin to embiggen. And you become Mega Gary. As you double in dimensions and your weight increases by a factor of eight. Ted, did he? He does not. He, like, seems to be in pain, like, mimicking all your actions, but he stays the same size. Until this is done, you have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. Your weapons have grown to match your new size. And while they're enlarged, your attack with them deals an extra 1d4 damage. Okay, and now <laughs> Gary's gonna enter a rage. Okay, little Gary enters a rage as well. Three foot tall Gary and six foot tall Gary are both raging. And big Gary's gonna take out the scimitar and slash at little Gary. Okay, roll an attack and he is going to do the same to you. Not enough, that's a 20. So you do a, a big swing at little Gary and little Gary does a little swing at big you and both of you actually miss. Oh, yeah. Your movements mirror each other just enough that whew, you both kind of just dance out of the blades way at the exact same time. Well, if I'm bigger, I should have further reach than him. Yeah. So he probably can't hit me Whenever he swings. <laughs> okay. I like what you just said. So here's what I'll say. You are going to be able to kill little Gary. Because not only do you have a greater reach, you're also doing extra damage. He's going to land a couple swings on you. So what does the damage with the scimitar look like? A scimitar does 1d6 plus 5. Okay, so you are going to take 40 damage okay. from little Gary, and you guys are going to spend the next hour in this, like, blade dance as you guys try to hit each other, and cut by cut, you are going to bring him down 
describe what killing little Gary looks like. He's probably been like nicking and cutting off little bits, like maybe a piggy there or something, but he's like (laughs) raged at the same time. So he's kind of just smashing it down so hard that he's almost turning this little, I think his final blows are turning little Gary into paste. Yeah, so you spend the next hour chopping off little pieces of Gary and he's going, (laughs) (laughs) eventually you manage to get off an arm you get the arm off and you keep fighting for 20 minutes before you have the bright idea to switch the scimitar to the arm that he no longer has. And so he just drops the scimitar on the ground and you mince him up like a piece of raw fish. Just... You mince him to paste and then you see like a twinkle over his mangled corpse and you hear like the Zelda music. And like a poof of smoke, and where his body was, you now see a tight passageway with a ladder going down. Uh, I don't think I can fit on that, can I? You can, but just (laughs) barely. Like, you're going to scrape your arms on the way down. You have to, like, lengthen yourself as much as you can. Okay, he will do that. Okay. We're halfway there. So just let your mother know we're going to be a little late. This, this, this is the Halftime Pad with Nikki B. Welcome back, everybody, to the Halftime Zone. All right. I know what you're all thinking right now. I know what you're all asking. Dr. Nikki B, why is this music so funky, dude? And I'm here to tell you why, because we're in a we, we got some big good news for you. All right, so we'll just give a sec, and we're gonna get right back into the episode. But here it is: there is a new yearly membership option, and that means you can join the Patreon and get all of our awesome perks for ten percent off. And those perks just get better and better. And patrons, Patreons, get mentioned in our special shoutouts along with access to Discord. But wait! There is more. Financial clerics get access to tons of bonus content like Back to Basics where Michael Pisani DMs the Drimbus crew through classic D&D adventures like the Lost Minds of Phandelver. VIP NPCs get characters named after them and even submit items for use in the show. All right? So if you want to make me a goddamn uh, goddamn magical coffee mug that transforms into a magic shotgun, you can do that. All right? If you want us to come across an NPC named Dr. Poopy Butt Dick, you can do that. All right? You have the power. It's great. All right? Our powerful potion sellers get sweet, sweet merch sent out to them like our Drimbus collection socks, Tony the Pony notebooks, all right, and more. And of course, they're all powerful bard stars, all right. This limited tier will reward you with private, special one-on-one games between you and all of us here at the Drimbus headquarters 500,000 feet underground in an undisclosed location. And we guarantee it'll be just as chaotic and exciting as you expect. So, if any of that sounds like a good time, and you know it does, make sure to join us over at patreon.com slash drimbus. 
and take advantage of that 10% off with an annual membership. Special thanks to Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Victoria Madrid, Greta and Beignet, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, Thomas Murphy, Emrys Craig, Regina Russell, Morgan Holly, Salty, Adrian Bundy, Sam Olivos, Jordan Cobb, The Unnamed Rogue, John Gillette, Chloe G, Conair on DVD, NB Star, Stevie B. Keys, Doubtful Guest, Michael Richters, Davis Walden, Fina Moonstrider, Denny Dewdrop, and Myth Mouse. All right, these folks are all going to get a special seat in our underground bunker when we wait out the alien invasion. All right. You've been a beautiful audience. Take care of yourselves. I'm putting you back in there, all right? Music's been funky fresh. Now it's time. Now you're fresh. You've had your funk. Time to freshen up, all right? Get back in there. Enjoy your day. You're beautiful. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big Gary squeezes into this little passageway. You follow the ladder down into a brilliantly glowing room. It is a long hallway, nearly 80 feet long. Lining the hallway, there are three chests on the left and three chests on the right. All of them sit with their lids wide open and great masses of glowing pink crystals sitting in them. At the end of the hallway sits a wooden door. Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Three chests on the left, three chests on the right. Mm -hmm. Crystals everywhere? Inside the chests. Crystals in the chests. Mm Mm-hmm. Their lids are open, and there's big masses of glowing crystals in the chests. And then a door at the far end of the hallway. Okay. And the chests chests are all opened? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Go to the door. Okay, you go to the door. Just open it, see what's back there. You open it? Yeah. Okay, you go to open the door, and as you put your hand on its handle, the middle of it opens into this mouth with big, gross, curved teeth and this long, purple, like, tongue, like venom, as it reaches out to try and take a bite at you. Roll for initiative. Oh. Yeah, 23. All right, not bad. Bad, you, you're up first. Oh my god. <laughs> so Gary, you are up first, but as you touch the door, its doorknob turned into like goo and has actually like enraptured you. And your right hand is now stuck inside of the goo of this creature that is trying to take a bite out of you. It seems to peel off the wall, and behind it, you see another identical door to the one you just touched, but it seems older and dustier, like it hasn't been used in a long time. You are now grappled, and this thing is attempting to take a bite out of you. What do you do? Oh, nice. That's gross. 
I'm gonna rage and I'm going to attack this monster. Gary's pissed that his hand has been caught. He's like, and this is a big Gary too. It's mega Gary. So, <laughs> oh my, yeah, I'm big Gary too. Yeah, he's pissed. he grabs the handle. He sees the transforming and and um, 1920s work whistle, like the steam coming out of the ears. So he takes out his scimitar and he starts smacking the door with it. Incredible! Roll that attack for me. Well, I got 26, so I think that lands. That definitely hits. Roll for damage. And that's a 7, but plus the 4 for being big. That's 11. You take the scimitar in your offhand, and you begin hacking into this door. And even though it looks like wood, it is now like this gooey wood, and you just hear this... As you kind of hack into this gooey creature, and it seems to kind of reshape a- around your blade, almost like it's trying to trap it. And it's going <laughs> As it's trying to take a bite out of you. Can I smack it again? Oh, you, you have another attack? Yeah. Then yeah, go for it. 18? Yeah, that hits. Roll for damage. Yes. That's a 6, and plus 5, that's 11, so plus the 4s, that's 15. Okay. Describe this hit for me. It is a palpable one. Because it's gooey to his hand. Gary's kind of like shaking it and almost picking it up off the ground as he's trying to shake it off. Mm-hmm. And with the other hand, he's just smacking at it. It's like he's holding the door almost with one hand and the other hand is just smacking it with the scimitar. You do that and you stab into it and with each stab you twist the scimitar a little bit and then when you yank it out you like fling it backwards and bits of the goo go flying behind you as you're like literally just carving chunks out of this amorphous creature. Then it is going to try and get its big curved yellow teeth into you as you feel a big wet tongue run along the side of your face. Does a 23 hit you? Yep. You feel its big purple tongue wrap around your neck, and its saliva actually burns into your neck. And you take one acid damage, and then you take eight piercing damage as it chomps two of the top teeth and one bottom tooth into your shoulder. Okay, because I'm raging, I get resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Okay, so that eight damage becomes four as it digs its teeth into your shoulder just barely. <laughs> it can't really penetrate your hide now that you're big and strong. <laughs> okay, and now to continue beating on my door pinata. Okay. Uh, 23. That definitely hits. Roll for damage. 11, because I'm big again. Yeah, go ahead and roll the second one while we're at it. 18. That definitely hits. Roll for damage. So, again, 11 and 15. Holy (laughs) shit, my guy. Okay. You take that scimitar and you just start wailing. Your hand is still stuck inside of the goo of this creature. Its teeth are dug into you, but you, like, step on the bottom goo and just start cutting into it with the scimitar. And it begins to tear, and you keep hacking at the tear, and you actually cut its bottom half off. And you see this, like, purple acid dripping down from it as its amorphous form kind of, like, becomes a smaller creature. 
Now it covers half your body, almost like you're wearing it. But it looks so much worse for wear. You look around the room, and there are just splatters of goo all over the place. There's a big mass that you're stepping on as you have taken this thing down several sizes. However, it is still its turn. It is still kicking, and it is going to try and get one more sexy bite off on you. Oh my god, does a... 21 hit you. It does not thanks to cinnamon Holy tea. shit. <laughs> okay. The tongue lets go and it like rears its head back to dig its fangs into you again and you like shoulder check its mouth and it like bites into itself. <laughs> Gary, it's your turn. Here we go, baby. Ooh. A ten. That does not hit. You swing at it, but it is so small and so all over you that you kind of chicken out uh, because you feel like you're about to hit yourself. And then a twenty-two. Roll for fucking damage. Again, that's eleven. Describe how you killed this thing. Yeah, he's gonna stab the scimitar through it, start twirling it like a spaghetti or like a usual cotton candy. Yeah. And then like stretch and stretch and just rip it apart from his hand that's stuck to it. Like. Yeah, and you do it. It goes. As like the acid of its tongue drips onto the floor. Yeah, he shakes it off like he's flicking off from the goo with his hands. And okay. Big Gary looks around. <laughs> and now there's a normal door. You see the six chests and a door, yep. And now he's gonna mage hand open that door. <laughs> okay. You mage hand to open that door, and it jumps out at you! No, it actually swings open. And beyond the door, you see a room that seems to be full of pink crystals. These look like trick chests to me. And he tries to squeeze into the, <laughs> the door. <laughs> As you squeeze into the door, you see all of the chests kind of lick their lids. Oh my god. With big purple tongues. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And you step through the door, shutting it behind you. Vile creatures. Finally, you step through into the room full of brilliantly colored pink crystals. The croppings of crystals seem to grow in sporadic shapes in every which direction. Like crystals from those grow them at home kits for kids. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Growing crystals? Yeah, you, you never saw those at like Toys R Us that it was like the science like kits for kids. I didn't know you could grow crystals for kids. Yeah, so they had some of those. Anyways, that's what I'm imagining. But each cluster, and there are many, contains somewhere from about four to seven individual strands. Like the crystal where Dot's consciousness was once stored. Where you stand on the floor is an oval-shaped mass of solid crystal floor that seems to be vaguely reflecting your shape, much like the portal outside. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to one of the clumps of gems. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just start taking some. Okay, you can, like, break off one crystal, or if you want, like, it's not too hard to break off a whole cluster of them with, like, six or seven on it. Yeah. I think I'll do that. You break off a little cluster. And you have uh, six strands of crystal. Wow. Okay. Um, fuck, dude. I kind of want to carry as much as I can carry. Mm-hmm. And they do they look any different from the other ones? Or not really? No, I mean, you know, they're like natural stuff. So obviously there are some differences in the way they grow. But they all seem to be, you know, roughly about the same thing. How big are they? 
They fit in the palm of your hand. Okay, so he'll just keep the one cluster and look for a way out, I guess, now. Okay. There is none, is there? All you see are all the big clusters and the oval shape under you that you're standing on. I'm ready to go back now. And the edges of the portal light up. Your reflection becomes clear and you fall through it. You step out at the hidden entrance behind the waterfall. Your crystals in hand. I'm going to break off one and stuff the rest in my bag. Okay, you do so. All right. It's up to you, little guy. And uh, he'll put it away and go to swim under the waterfall again and and come out. Roll an athletics check for me. Yeah, anyone. Not bad at all. Okay, Gary, you swim with delight. You duck down into that deep basin of water, and especially now that you're swimming the other direction, the current actually helps you get out nice and easy. And you take two points of cold damage just as you kind of emerge, but it's not too serious, and and you make it out. And your bonfire is actually still burning from earlier, so you can go sit there and kind of warm up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'll take a, a little rest there. You short rest, and about 30 minutes in, you begin to feel a really, like, terrible crunch in your bones, and you're like, ah! Oh! And you feel yourself begin to get smaller again. Wow, that that uh, worked out pretty well, actually. I'm happy about that. Alright. I'm gonna make my way back now. I think I got everything I need. Okay. You go back, crystal in hand. Your hike takes a little while, especially uphill. It's a little harder on the legs, especially after having grown and ungrown and all this pain, but you kind of enjoy it. It's been a while since you've just gone for a walk. What do you think about? Um, I think he brute forced the wisdom one. <laughs> so he's thinking about how those trials went. He was like, well, they weren't, wasn't the worst, but it wasn't the, you know, wasn't the best I could have done. Oh, he's thinking about using his birth name, um, mm-hmm. Garamar, and uh, how much that's his birth name is Garamar. Does Grizzabeth know this? I don't think so. Okay. So he's, yeah, that was what he was given at birth, and he's wondering how much uh, Ed would know that because he figures that Ed knows that his real name is Gary mm-hmm. or that he goes by Gary normally. What else he's thinking about? He's thinking, wonder, wondering if this may or may not work, and uh, wonder, wondering if that message from the rubber paper was from Thomas and Tiro <laughs> or not. <laughs> well, you reflect on all of this and enjoy your hike up, leaving your footprints in the snow. And as you cross the bridge near Hattrick the Troll's post, you hear a commotion going on somewhere above you. There seems to be a muddle of shouting voices, but one sticks out to you. Oh god, you've got to help him, please! You see Grizabeth kneeling on the ground over an unconscious Calvin. Calvin? Patrick runs over and says, I'll buy you some time, and starts running up the path. You shout Calvin, and Grizabeth looks up at you and goes, Oh, Gary, it's terrible! I run to her. What happened? What happened? Oh, some sort of hideous creature disappeared. It, uh, it, it took Ed by the throat. He crushed him. We screamed. I, I grabbed Calvin, and it just... Oh, it just looked at him. And he let out his little scream. And, oh, God... I don't know what's wrong with him. His little nose started bleeding. Calvin? And he's going to 
put his hand under his head. Yeah, Calvin seems out. You see some blood dripping down his nose. Hey, did he did he hit him? No, no, he literally just looked at him. And Ed is dead? I, I think so. They're fighting them right now. And just then, you see a limping grognak running down the path. There is a deep gash along the length of his right calf. Give this to the little one. It's a healing tea. Might help. You gotta get out of here. I don't know what this thing is, but it's too dangerous. He has a big, meaty paw. He takes Calvin's head in one hand and kind of helps him drink the tea. As he does, you see Calvin begins to blink a little bit as he seems to stabilize. He almost tries to look at you and then closes his eyes again. Almost like he's still passed out, but like maybe more of like a sleeping passed out. And he says, Gary, listen to me. Take your family and head north to the Sunder. Look for someone named Merrill. They might be able to help you. Oh, oh God. No. Where's... Where's Meg? He lets out a whistle. And Meg seems to trot down the steps, still in fashion, but worried fashion. (laughs) And as Meg runs up to you, you hear... Grognak shouts, and the camera zooms up the path. We see this humanoid creature, its entire body black and glossy, almost semi-translucent, walking down. Beside it, lays a slain Hattrick the Troll. Drognak falls to one knee, and as the creature approaches, you hear a shout. Ah! Velma Strong flies down the path toward the creature, punching it in the back of the head. It stumbles to the ground, and she immediately jumps atop of it. She lands a furious flurry of blows to its head. As the creature tries to bring its dark, almost claw-like fingers to its head writhing around in pain. As she lands those hits, you see her nose begins to bleed. She almost withers a bit, but she remains absolutely resolute in her punches. That is, until the creature turns around, making eye contact with her. And just like that, Velma Strong freezes mid-blow and instantly keels over. Grognak's upper lip has now grown smeared with blood as he picks himself up and says, Go, find your healing, then pass it along. As he charges up the path to buy you some time, what do you do? I, I, I put Calvin on the horse, and I put Grizabeth on the horse, and uh, I hop on the horse too. Okay. Fuck. Oh, they're gonna die, Grizz. Oh, Gary, I think they're already dead. Gary goes, yeah, from Meg to like go over the bridge to the north. And you gallop forth north as you hear the last few sounds of Grognak in battle with this creature. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Nicholas Benetados as Gary Mogbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, 
Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited and sound designed by Giancarlo Herrera. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes, or go to patreon.com slash drimbus. Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show after the drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. You start with your own breathing. Match the rhythm of the breeze that carves the canopy, the birds and bugs chirping in set intervals. Feel the subtle pulse rising up from the ground beneath you. To wander is to dance with the forest. But the forest isn't just the partner. She's the music, the style. She's the rhythm. She's the set of ancient steps and movements that have been passed down from one dancer to another. She teaches you to dance the dance she invented to the music she's singing in a tonal system she thought up one night as it pleased her. You breathe, and you listen, and you wait for your place. Your first step, the call to is a new fairy folktale podcast from T.H. Ponders, a member of the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to the show by searching for The Wanderer in Apple Podcasts or by visiting www.callofthewander.com.